Hello, I'm Sean Kennedy, Senior Consultant here at Morpheus Group, uh, and today we're joined by Jonathan Lesis for another episode of the Humanizing Data podcast run by Morpheus Meets. Uh, so Jonathan, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, just to introduce you to everyone, you work as the Associate Director uh, of Boston Consultant Group in the Tech and Digital Adv- Advantage Group. Um, so yes, thank you so much for joining us. We're, we're thrilled to have you on. Um, so how are you? Well, Sean, and really appreciate the chance to be here today and chat all things digital and AI. Yeah, perfect. So before we go into that, if you could just take us on a trip down memory lane, I guess, and and tell us a bit about your background, your journey, uh, and how you came to being uh, the Associate Director at BCG. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, my journey started out as a software developer. So came out of school, joined a startup, and then did progressive roles in software delivery eventually getting to that fork in the road where it's either full-on tech or go down the management path. And I went the management path, leading teams and teams of teams, ultimately at the intersection of digital, agile, and AI. Um, Most of my career was spent in industry, working at various uh, companies. Uh, And then a little while back, I shifted over to consulting. So I started to do consulting work. So a little bit different vibe. Excellent. Thank you. And you've, of course, mentioned you worked in both industry and now consulting. Uh, do you have any reflections on the on the differences? Yeah, absolutely. So I think industry and consulting both are great experiences. Within industry, it's a little bit different experience, I would say, in that you're there for the longer term. So for example, if you're working on a product, you get to see the product from start to finish through all of the life uh, cycle phases, which is, I think, very rewarding. Same thing with teams. You really get to grow and nurture and develop teams. Uh, on the consulting side, it's a little bit different in that you might be a little bit more limited, perhaps contractually, on where you focus within a client. Uh, but the plus side is that you really get exposed to a lot of different kind of tech and experience and industries and digital use cases. Uh, so both of them have a lot to offer. And I think even when you move between the two, you get some great synergy. So having been in industry and gone into consulting, I think I really have an empathy for the client. Uh, so, you know, having walked in their shoes, you really, you know, want to make sure that we're doing the best that we can for them. And then vice versa, you know, on the consulting side, going from consulting to industry, you bring that broad breadth and depth of knowledge. So win-win in either direction. Uh, and it's been a great journey. Excellent. And on that great journey, you know, what was the what initially inspired or motivated you to to get into this field of work? And, and I guess what's kept you going all this time? Yeah, um, simply put, I think I've always been a fan of technology. Uh, you know, my undergrad was in engineering. And for me, what keeps me motivated is brain food. So being able to kind of like bite into kind of really interesting, dynamic, you know, work and use cases. Uh, work with a great team and have a positive impact. So simply uh, put, I would say it's really the focus on great brain food. Thank you. And before we get into the the technical details as such, you know, if uh, if things didn't quite work out that way, what would Jonathan Lesis do if he if he wasn't in the technical world? Yeah. Uh, so I've always had a little bit of an artistic bend, I would say. So uh, in school, I was in the art club and the yearbook staff. So if I didn't go into tech, probably would be something more on the artistic side. Now, having said that, with everything that's going on with generative AI, I think the experience now going into a creative field 
would be far different than the experience in the past. And I think, you know, it's it's kind of a, it's a good topic because I think there's so much change going on right now in the creative world with these generative tools. Uh, you know, obviously, uh, ChatGPT, you know, DALI, uh, Sable Diffusion. Uh, there's so much going on where the fields are actually changing. And we're starting to get this fusion of work and AI leading to a truly bionic workplace. And it's already underway. You're already hearing stories of, you know, copywriters or uh, architects or, of course, you know, artists, graphic illustrators starting to use these digital tools. So I think, you know, I almost get to have my cake and eat it too, where I, I like tech, I like art. And these days they're starting to merge. It's already underway. And I think it's going to be a really interesting and exciting time, you know, as the future of work kind of emerges into these kind of fused AI and human experience. Perfect. And yeah, that artistic flair, I guess, served you well for, for being such a natural guest on our, on our podcast. So we have a lot to thank for that. And, and it's interesting, you, you sort of touched on that in terms of how at that time, you know, there was no connection between AI and, and say art. And, and now it's, it's not only art, you know, it's across the, the playing field where, where AI is having a, a huge impact. And you alluded to it there as well in, in terms of not just generative AI, but things like ChatGBT. Um, so I guess from, from your perspective, what do you see the, the biggest sort of modern day challenges around these sort of tools and technologies or, or, or new initiatives? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's going to be the fusion of how we incorporate it. Like these are tools and like any tool can be used for a force of good or maybe not so much a force of good. So how do we understand kind of all of the regulatory compliance, legal aspects behind it? How do we make sure people aren't left behind? So if you're not a tech native and suddenly your job is changing, how do we support and grow that? You know, uh, Sequoia recently came out and they mentioned that, you know, if you look at the knowledge and creative workers, they anticipate that these generative AI tools, just to focus on them for a minute, uh, you know, could lead to like a 10% efficiency, which could be trillions in value. Now, of course, companies are going to look at that and they're going to be like, well, great, how can we leverage that to reduce our bottom line? And so I think the friction and the challenge is going to be how do we AI enable people in a evolving workplace to make sure no one gets left behind, to make sure that we're adhering to all of the appropriate regulatory and compliance restrictions and rules that are in place. Uh, and I think we're going to have to really be intentional about how we approach that. And I think there's also opportunity there because we can be really creative. So if, for example, my job as a, let's just say an architect, you know, has suddenly been made 10, 20% more efficient, where am I going to spend my time? You know, what can I do that I wasn't doing? So if, for example, I'm sitting across the table with a client and I'm showing them architectural renderings, you know, perhaps what I'm going to do is I'm going to look over my shoulder and kind of near real time, you know, kind of visualize additional renderings, kind of pivot based on their impact and say, oh, okay, you want to see a little bit more of this, a little bit less of that. Let's take a look at what that would look like. So I think the challenge, uh, and there's different challenges. Like there's kind of like the global business challenges. I can maybe talk about that for a sec. But I think for the tech itself, it's going to be how do we incorporate that? How do we get it to play nicely uh, with the workforce as it rolls out? Excellent. And, you know, in this kind of environment, um, with working at BCG, you work very much on, on an enterprise scale for customers but like you said you've, you've worked across various different sizes of, of businesses in this modern day sort of environment what do you see 
the sort of key blend for for companies to be successful in their sort of incorporation of of using AI? Yeah, that's a great question. I I think I would almost pull back a little bit and say that when we look at companies today, I think the number one challenge isn't so much the AI inclusion piece, although that's one of them. It's more the pace of disruption, generally speaking. So when you look at the sea change, waves of change impacting us right now, you know, economic, social, political, consumer, client, health, all of these forces, all on a global scale, I think what clients and companies struggle with is how do they cope in this incredibly turbulent time? Uh, and I think that's the number one challenge. AI is absolutely part of that. So as roles and responsibilities, as job descriptions change, how do we incorporate that? Uh, but I, I think there's a broad set of forces that are really uh, you know, upturning and overturning kind of how we work and what the expectations are today. Great. And and in your eyes, I guess, what do you see the what what do you see for the for the future of the AI AI, AI industry sort of holding now? Yeah. Um, I would kind of break that down into two pieces, maybe short term and long term. So while we have these economic headwinds underway, I think we have to be laser focused on value. So we really have to think about what are the AI use cases that will uh, not just have kind of breakthrough value, but are also very achievable that we can rapidly iterate on. So there's no matter what your industry, there are literally tens, if not hundreds of use cases close at hand, which are tried and true uh, that are readily available. So anything from like product and marketing mix, price and promotions, demand forecasting, optimization, prediction, be it faults or uh, you know fraud or you know uh, churn, personalization, whatever it might be. There's a lot of stuff that you don't have to embrace kind of the bleeding edge tech, you know, the generative AI. It's a great resource. It's something we do have to think about. But there's so much value, like demonstrated, battle-tested value right in front of us that we really need to, I think, especially in these economic headwinds, uh, rapidly pressure test on, uh, validate what's achievable quickly, and then dive in. So I think uh, the ability to kind of rapidly triangulate on the value and the viability of use cases and then jump onto it uh, is going to be key for companies today. And I would say that, you know, what we found is that comparing at the end of 2022 here, even knowing that we have economic headwinds, you know, over 60% of uh, companies are saying that they're looking to increase their spend on tech and digital. And of course, part of that's going to be AI. So even with the headwinds, there's going to be increased spending on tech and digital. And so within this environment, we have to shift a little bit, maybe a little bit more from the experimental side to the more delivery side and, you know, effectively delivering on that. Um, I think to your point, and it kind of ties into the turbulence piece, you know, to deliver effectively, we need the right frameworks, both for in the small term, if I'm just talking a team, you know, maybe it's a small cross-functional team that delivers in short increments. So a team that's agile in their ways of working. Uh, you know, with the right tools and techniques. And then things change when you scale up. So when you think longer term and kind of at scale, I think there's just tremendous opportunity. Going back to that quote from Sequoia, you know, they see trillions of dollars of value in generative AI. We know that there's value close at hand with all of these battle-tested uh, use cases. So longer term, it's more about shifting the company as a whole I think, Sean, going back to your question is to becoming more of an AI native. So like, how do you transform a company to uh, better 
you know, thrive in that kind of future. And it's things like looking at org design, operating model, talent and skills, culture, uh, data and digital platforms, you know, our ecosystems that we use to leverage. So we take a more holistic approach of uh, how we engage on AI. So I, I think there's kind of that short and long-term, short-term economic headwinds, really focus on value, go after the proven, the tried and true use cases. Uh, longer term, uh, the sky's the limit. I think there's going to be tremendous growth. And at that point, it's, you know, as we start to pivot, how do we grow and mature our company into a AI native? And that's a kind of a, it's a, it's a next level challenge because, you know, delivering AI at a team level is pretty straightforward. You know, it's basic blocking and tackling to be successful there. But when you're looking at teams of teams, you're crossing organizational boundaries, you're changing roles and descriptions and responsibilities. It's a whole nother level of complexity. And for that, you really need an intentional kind of focused approach. Perfect. And for anyone listening that, you know, is looking to, to become AI native or, or in the process, from your experience, you know, generally speaking, have you seen any additional keys to success in, in, in AI delivery? Yeah, it's a great question. I think um, when we look at transformational delivery, I think the key is to have leadership support. Um, so because you're changing so many uh, you know, deep, basic building blocks of the company, you have to have executive support to make that transformation happen. Um, generally, what we say when it comes to AI results is that you know we've said that uh, AI results, AI success is found based on this 10-20-70 kind of ratio. And what that means is that AI results are 10% the algos, 20% the tech, and 70% people in process. And that's absolutely been my experience. And I think, you know, for those of us who are in a technical field, we're naturally attracted to kind of the sparkly, glittery tech aspects. And we have to remember that at the end of the day, people have to use what we produce. We have to work effectively with people to create the right outcomes. And so really 70% of the job is that people in process size. So how we structure our teams, how we interact with people, how we introduce you know, changes in new technology. Uh, so that's absolutely something to think about. I think also, you know, if you're in an AI shop and you're doing AI delivery, you really need to look at kind of how you're delivering, where you're being successful, where you're struggling, and then be really intentional on how you improve. So specifically do an assessment and say, okay, are we hanging up on discovery? Are we taking too long on experimentation? Do we have a long build phase? Do we have no ability to scale? Do we have data issues? Are we missing kind of roles and expertise? Are our products not being used by the business or our customers? So you really have to be intentional. You have to be laser focused and be like, what is occurring? Where are we today? What's our aspiration? Build a roadmap to get there and then relentlessly deliver on that roadmap. And a great way to do it is to fold in, you know, kind of those use cases that I mentioned. So if you're doing a pricing and promotion use case and you want to build out a feature store, don't try to initiate a feature store project on the side, but kind of bring them together and kind of use your exciting kind of momentous use cases to drive the capability building within your AI delivery pipeline. So these are just some tips some things to think about, you know, as you're kind of focusing on AI delivery. Perfect. And we've touched on some some hot topics within the sort of AI space at the minute for, for generative AI, chat GPT. Um, but, you know, for, for you personally, is there anything interesting that, that you're working with that you can tell us a bit more about or, or share? 
Yep, absolutely. So um, great question. And things that I'm kind of personally focused on right now are really two topics. Um, one of them is ML ops. So ML ops can go under different names or different frameworks, but basically it's leveraging principles of lean manufacturing and then the framework of software delivery DevOps to basically expand into the field of AI and machine learning. So software delivery uh, DevOps is all about continuous integration, continuous deployment. The MLOps absolutely expands on that with the appropriate tooling and pipelines and uh, features and functionality like a feature store to uh, really kind of deliver efficiently, effectively, rapidly, reliably AI results. So it's a it's a great tactical framework for really turbocharging your AI delivery life uh, factory, your life cycle. Um, and I think it's increasingly becoming table stakes. I don't think that it's going to be, it's not really feasible to, uh, I think, repeatedly deliver AI results unless you have these kind of frameworks in place, unless you have a proven way to integrate, deploy, and continuously train your data. And you can call it something else, but having kind of these uh, frameworks in place are a great plus. And I would say that, again, it's not just about the tech, it's about kind of the people, the principles, the process, the mindset. And that's really important. So you don't want to just drop in a tool. You don't want to just, you know, go to your, you know, the, the cloud provider of the day uh, and say, you know, great, we're going to use this ML ops package. You really want to think about, you know, what are we trying to achieve? Where are we struggling today? And what tools are we going to use to kind of get that jump forward? Um, so ML ops is one area that's uh, a little bit focused on right now. The other prize, uh, the other side is that enterprise kind of AI, AI at scale. And again, you're jumping from kind of team level AI delivery, which is fairly straightforward, and you're going to next order level magnitude of complexity uh, delivering at scale. And that's where you have to take into account again, kind of org design, people and process, talent and skills, culture and purpose, uh, data and digital platforms. You know, do you have the right infrastructure to uh, you know basically deliver on these AI use cases? partner ecosystem. So enterprise AI, AI at scale, ML ops, these are kind of some of the themes that a little bit focused on right now. Perfect. And if you could just, I guess, tell us a bit more about not only them areas, but for, for AI as a whole, you've, of course, seen the, the dramatic changes over the last few years. What, what does the future hold, not only for, for, for say, ML ops and, and enterprise agility AI, but for, for other key areas, what, what do you see for, from sort of your customer base and, uh, and what clients want being the, the biggest sort of shifts? Yeah, it's a great question. I would say that, uh, you know, being someone who has kind of like the intuition on, you know, what exactly these models are capable of. And, you know, generative AI is just kind of the latest frothiest kind of AI area, but there is so much value. I mean, not that we want to say every case is a, you know, an AI machine learning case for sure. That's a complex endeavor. And if you can deliver something that uses a uh, lookup table or some branching logic, you know, that is probably a great approach. Um, so not everything is AI, I think, uh, fit for AI, but for those who really, I think for me, it's almost humbling to think of the power of AI. When you think about a machine learning model, which basically learns on the data, that it's almost like limitless kind of the opportunities, which in a way is a little bit scary as well, 
And I think we're starting to bump into that now. I think, you know, the general public, uh, you know, especially with these generative AI grabbing so much of the headlines, uh, is starting to get this awareness that, hey, this thing is powerful. This thing is the future. Um, going back to your point, when you think about companies in your question, you know, less than a quarter are AI natives. You know, you have the hyperscalers, you have the digital natives, uh, but less than a quarter of the companies out there are AI natives. And what that means is that there is tremendous opportunity. So I think if I was going to sum it up, I would say there's almost unbounded opportunity. You know, knowing the history of AI, you know, there's been several AI winters, but I honestly don't see any signs of that coming. And I almost go back to Andrew Ang's comment that AI is like the new electricity. And I absolutely think that's that's appropriate. So I think at this point, uh, some of the trends that we're seeing is that companies are moving beyond and the kind of the experiment and pilot phase, they're really starting to embrace, you know, how do we tactically deliver on this in a efficient, repeatable way? Uh, you know, looking to embrace AI, again, as kind of a key transformational capability within themselves. Uh, they're all on that journey. And it's a matter of, you know, how do we support and grow that, I think. And I, I think, honestly, the sky's the limit. I think our challenges are going to be, you know, we're seeing more and more of these, again, MLOps, these kind of frameworks and tools deliver. The challenges are going to be more, how do we responsibly deliver it in a way that doesn't, uh, you know, disrupt the workforce today? I think that's going to be the key. Yeah, that's a fascinating fact you you touched on there about only a quarter of companies being being AI native and certainly gives me confidence moving forward. You know, as you mentioned, don't see any AI winters as such. It, it, it's very much full steam ahead. Um, so it sounds like you're definitely in a, a good area for, for repeat business. And, and likewise with myself, we're, we're finding um, people within this space. But um, for anyone sort of listening that's looking to say get into AI and, and has any hesitations, you know, hearing that, um, it definitely sounds like a, a key area to, to be involved in or, or at least be aware of. Um, you know, finally speaking, in terms of next steps for yourself, Jonathan, can you elaborate anything on that for us? You, you of course, mentioned some good stuff about the art. doesn't have to, to be professional, but non-professionally as well. You know, what, what are the st- next stops for you? And uh, just to bring it back, what advice could you give, say, for anyone listening that aspires to maybe have a position that, that you're in right now? What, what would be the sort of tools that you would say for them to, to look into or, or to get equipped with? Yeah, I would I would think uh, generally be curious, uh, you know, try things out, explore uh, in your workplace, ask around, you know, be known as somebody who uh, is adventuresome and wanting to try different things uh, and, you know, be self-motivated. You know, I'm, I'm really a strong believer that leadership doesn't exist entirely at the top. You know, everybody can exhibit personal leadership and it's up to you to kind of craft your journey. And there's there's so many tools out there and it's beginning getting more and more accessible. Uh, so for me personally, uh, I, I really enjoy sharing with my children uh, kind of the latest. And uh, we had a lot of fun using uh, ChatGPT and Dali to uh, come up with some really creative uh, AI results. Uh, but for people out there as a whole, I would say, again, be curious, try things out. Don't don't uh, don't definitely don't shy away from the tech. Uh, and uh, reach out to like-minded people. And I'm happy to chat with anybody who reaches out to me if they have any questions or uh, want to get some thoughts from my side. Perfect. Thank you so much. Yes, your your kids are in, in capable hands by the sounds of it. Uh, I think my focus will be on 
training my boys when I have them to to be a professional footballer one day. So, but definitely <laughs> oh, yeah. the the AI can come second. Uh, but that would be the dream. So, thank you so much for for joining us. Is there as you mentioned, if you people want to reach out to you, of course, we'll um, we'll put your your tag you in the in the post. And uh, yeah, it'd be great to to network, like you said, with with other like minded people and and hear what other people have to say on the, some of the interesting topics that you've brought up. So thank you so much for joining us before we, before we sign off. Is there anything else you wanted to add? Nope. Just look forward to uh, connecting to anybody who has a question or uh, would like to touch base. Uh, and Sean, really appreciate the time. So thank you so much for the chance to chat with you today. Really enjoyed it. Yeah, no problem. You're the star of the show, Jonathan. Thank you so much. Thank you, Sean.